Amen. All right, we are again uh, going through this wonderful book of Romans, and uh, Paul is fired up about it, and so we should be too. Amen. <laughs> uh, he is inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote this. Last week, we uh, looked at how we can have victory uh, in our uh, Christian lives, that we want to have victory in our, and a Christian wants to have victory in his life. And again, it's not for our own happiness, it's not uh, uh, to make things uh, smooth sailing, if you, uh, uh, if you will, you know, or, or, or just be able to say, uh, you know, look at me, God's doing, uh, look how spiritual I am, I've got victory. No, no, it's not about that. It's so that we might glorify God. It's all about His glory and, and uh, that He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And whether we eat, drink, or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. It's about Him and it's for Him. Never let us forget that. And uh, we saw also that uh, there are three things that uh, will bring victory. And one of them, of course, is to know what Christ has done for us. The first volume of our life, of course, is in Adam when we uh, were lost and we did not know Christ. And of course, volume two is uh, we are now in Christ and uh, we are to, uh, to know that, that Christ uh, died and we died with Him. He was buried and we were buried with Him. And He rose and we rose in newness of life. And this is a fact that we are uh, to know and rejoice in and to be glad in. And uh, also, we're to, to reckon. We're to reckon uh, in verse 11 of chapter 6 where it says, Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. To reckon yourselves as dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And uh, uh, we're to tell the truth. What is true about us, we're to tell that to ourselves because we really are dead to sin. We're no longer in Adam anymore. Who we were in Adam is gone. But now we are in Christ. We are alive. We are uh, His child. And this is something uh, that we can rejoice in. That we're alive to God, as He says, in Christ Jesus. And so, do that. Uh, uh, we uh, can rejoice in that. And then thirdly, we saw that we're to yield in verses 12 and, and 13. And this is a, a command. Uh, don't let sin reign. Don't let sin reign, Paul says. And uh, don't make excuses for sin. Uh, don't uh, uh, th take sin lightly. And uh, realizing that we can have victory. We can have victory over sin. Uh, in Adam, we had no power. We had uh, no way to, to have that victory. But now in Christ, we have God's Holy Spirit. And we can say no to sin. We can say no to sin. And uh, that's, uh, we need to yield, yield to that Holy Spirit. And this is a fight. We talked about it being a fight uh, that we're going through. And this is, a, this is a, uh, an act of the will. And so Paul is, 
exhorting us, exhorting us to do this. The first exhortation we find in the whole book of Romans is right in that verse. Uh, uh, to consider, to reckon yourselves dead unto sin, but alive unto God, and to yield. And so we, we can do that by His grace. And then he says uh, in, in verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you. Uh, it won't be, he says. It shall not be, for you're not under law. You're no longer in Adam. You're no longer uh, under the curse, the condemnation that the, only the law brings. But now that you're in Christ, you're under grace. You're under grace. You're in Christ. And so he says, uh, be well aware of that and uh, not let sin have dominion over you. This is a fact. This is a fact, he says. This is our assurance. This is our assurance. And so... Uh, take it to heart and rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. And then we come today in verses 15 through 23 of Romans 6. And uh, we want to look at the, uh, the topic today of everybody, everybody is a slave. Everybody is a slave. And I'm going to read these verses uh, in just a moment. But before I do, let's look at these uh, uh Several verses here. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 and 23. For he who has called you in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, he who was called while free is what? Your Christ slave. Whether you were a slave before you became a Christian or whether you were a free man before you were a Christian, you're still Christ's slave. Why? You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. You're bought with a price. He said, and so somebody who's bought with a price is what? A slave, right? And so now you've been bought with a price. What is that price? The blood of Christ. It cleanses us from all of our That's right. You're bought with the blood of Christ. And now you're his because he's bought you. And so what does that make? Makes you a slave. That should not make you unhappy, by the way. <laughs> you're a slave of a, the king of kings and lord of lords. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Remember back in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, how did Paul begin the book of Romans? It just occurred to me. Paul, a bonser, a slave of, a doulos. That's the Greek word. You're a doulos. You can go up and tell us, did you know I'm a doulos of Christ? <laughs> Don't, I wouldn't do that, but anyway. That's what, <laughs> but that's the Greek word. It's a, it's a doulos. All right, and also Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity uh, of your heart. By the way, there is no fear and trembling in that sense with, with Christ as to, uh, uh, in the sincerity as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God, what? From the heart. See, this is a heart thing. Uh, it's a heart matter. And uh, it's not uh, bondage. I don't want to do it. I hate my slave master, that kind of thing. We'll see in a minute. No, this is of love. This is slavery. This is a slave of love. Uh, a love slave. But uh, anyway, let's read 15 through 23 of Romans 6. And he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. 
Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, past tense, you became obedient from the heart. We just read a verse about that. To that form of teaching teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, that is of your body, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now, that is, now that you're in Christ, present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, that is, in Adam, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which are you're now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved, again we see it, enslaved to God, uh, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, uh, a lot here. And uh, we'll, we'll start uh, trying to uh, explain what Paul is talking about. So everybody is a slave. The question is, to, to whom or to what are you a slave to? This is the question. Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to Christ? Uh, what are you a slave to? Now, Paul, again, is dealing with objectors, those that came against him. There were two groups primarily, those antinomians who were against law. And uh, then there were the legalists, as we studied in, in Galatians, who said, oh, yeah, you've got to believe, yeah, but then you've also got to be circumcised or something else. Uh, to be saved. But uh, uh, what does he say? Are we, uh, uh, he says in verse 15 of, uh, of Romans 6, he says, What then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Again, may it never be. May it never be. This, there is no excuse for sin. We're not, to, we're not to sin that grace may abound, as he said uh, uh, before. But since uh, we're not under the curse of the law anymore, since we're not in Adam anymore, uh, then should we just go out and do as we please? He says, God forbid. You know, it's a contradiction to say that. It's just a contradiction. And the illustration now that Paul uses here is that of slavery. Why? Because of the obedience that a slave is bound to. Okay? So this is why he's using slavery as, a, as an uh, illustration of this, because obedience is, is important. Obedience is important. Obedience doesn't save, save you, but he says you're going to be obedient to whomever you're a, a slave to. And if it's a slave master, you're going to be obedient to it. If it's to Christ, you're going to be obedient. Not perfectly, okay, but uh, th- there will be that obedience that, uh, uh, that comes with being a slave. And so again, he's, we see the importance of doctrine in verse 16. 
Do you not know? He says, this is something you need to know, that you ought to know, uh, that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey. He says, either of sin, you're either a slave to sin, or you're a slave of grace. That is, uh, obedience resulting in righteousness, which, we, uh, uh, which we'll talk about. So, the question is, uh, whose slave are you? Whose slave are you? I asked that question this morning. Who or what are you a slave to? I mean, that's a pretty, pretty big question. And this is something that only you can answer because you know who is your master. If it's the world, you know that. I think you do, unless you're blind to it. But I, uh, or is Christ your master? Is Christ the one that you're serving? This is what Paul is getting at. Uh, it's a matter of either one or the other. It's a matter, there are only two possibilities. There are only two types of people. And Paul is driving this home here. And he says, uh, you are either a slave to sin or you're a slave of grace. A slave unto, uh, 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 a sin unto death. Okay, and if you're a slave of sin, it's sin unto death. That's what that outcome is. But then there's the obedience unto righteousness. You know, God gives us a desire when we're born again to please Him. Okay? To be obedient to Him. Uh, that just comes with the territory. And obedience then will be a result of the salvation that we experience. Uh, the, the being born again. We now have a new master. Uh, obedience unto what? God's righteous standard. That is what God wants us uh, to do. To please Him. To glorify Him. Uh, he is working in us both to will and to do of our own good pleasure. No, right. No, no. Of His good pleasure. He's working in us to serve Him. To be His love slaves. Not, not slaves that you know, oh God, I've got to serve God again today, you know. No, that's not what he's talking about. We rejoice to serve him because of what he's done for us. Amen. See, love is, we'll see that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But this is what he's talking about here. Obedience is the result of salvation. Uh, by the way, you can't read sin, you can read sin unto death, but why doesn't he say obedience unto life? Did you notice that? If he, said, if he said sin unto death, then why didn't he say obedience results in life? Because obedience does not result in life. That would be a contradiction here, you see. Why? Because we know it's Christ's obedience. Look back in Romans 5.19, and what did he say? Even so, through the, the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. It was Christ's perfect obedience... And the result of that is you're righteous because you have his perfect obedience on your, on your slate, on your uh, uh, record. That's your record now is his perfect obedience. So that's Paul is very clear here. No, obedience is the result of salvation. It does not save you. Uh, and so uh, that's the two positions here. We're either in Adam, slave of sin, or we're in Christ, a slave of righteousness. Not, not perfectly, 
but we are slaves of righteousness. Did not Jesus? Oh, what did Jesus say? No man can serve what? All right, now what do you have? In order to have a master, you've got to be a slave, right? Okay. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, very strong word here, you cannot serve God and wealth. You can't have two masters. You're going to serve one or the other. You can't have one foot on this side and one foot on that side. It's an impossibility. So you've got to ask, now am I, am I serving God? That's what you have to ask, and that's what Paul is saying here. Who are you serving? There are not three kinds of people, as some would teach. That is, over here, uh, there are those in Adam, and then over here, there is those in Christ. And in the middle, you have people who are in Christ, but they're still serving sin. And they call that the carnal Christian. I don't believe there is such a person. Now, we can, we're carnal in the sense that uh, uh, we yield to temptation, we yield to the flesh, but we're not sold out to that because uh, uh, Christ is our master now. Uh, so, uh, that's, I think, you know, we'll, we'll look at that later on, but uh, I, that's my understanding of it. But uh, there is an element of sin in, in everyone, and we wrestle with sin. We fall into sin. We struggle with sin. And by the way, we're miserable in sin. Is that right? It is in my life. I'm miserable when, when I'm in sin. When I do something that is wrong, it makes me miserable. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference between a Christian and a worldling. Because a worldling does not feel that way doesn't bother him. He's not bothered by it. And so if you have somebody who says, I'm a Christian, but for 20, 30, 40 years they've been living in sin, but they claim to be a Christian, I don't think they, well, you know, God knows their heart, but uh, I don't find that third type of person in the Scripture. I I just don't find him. And, uh, but you can study that for yourself. There are those that differ, that's fine. But I don't think they've ever known the saving grace of God. Because what did Jesus say in 8.31, John 8, 31 through 36? So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. That's a lie. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how blind you can be? I mean, like the Egyptians, okay, anyway. How is it that you say you will become uh, free? Maybe. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin, that is practices, this is the meaning of that, is the what? Slave of sin. What are we talking about? Who is the slave of sin? Those in Adam, right? Those in Adam are a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And by the way, you know what the indeed there really means? Within. That's real, if you go back and look it up, the better translation is you will be free within. And I, that's, that's a wonderful truth. Also in Galatians 5, 19... 
Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, all these things. Uh, and then, I, and just as I have forewarned you, that those who, what? Practice. Will not inherit the kingdom. I, now, you know, that is pretty plain to me. So you have this person that accepts, they say, I trust Christ, but they're living in sin. They're practicing sin. There's no repentance in their life. They never go to church. They never read their Bible. They don't care anything. And yet they say, I'm a Christian. You see, that cannot be. And we need to tell them that. We need to tell them that. That look, hey, something's not right here. When Christ comes into your life, there is a change. It wasn't my life. Now, I wasn't perfect. And uh, I made a whole lot of bad uh, mistakes and, and, and stumbled badly and uh, uh, still do. But uh, uh, there is a change. Um, so what happened when you were taken out of Adam and put into Christ? But thanks, in verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, which we just read about, in Adam, you became obedient, notice what? From the heart. From the heart. It's an obedience that flows out of a changed heart. That form of teaching to which you were committed. Wow, this is, this is good stuff. Thanks be to God, Paul says here. Not thanks be to God and myself for cooperating with Him. No, thanks be to God. He gives God all the praise and all the glory. He says uh, that you were past tense no longer when you were in Adam, he says. We need to meditate uh, on this wonderful truth that we're no longer, we're no longer uh, in Adam. Uh, uh, to be a slave of, uh, of sin is to be, to be blinded to the, to the truth of, of, of the gospel. 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 4.3 Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And of course the verse I've used many times is 1 Corinthians uh, I don't know, uh, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually uh, appraised. And uh, so uh, that's the state of uh, those who are in Adam. They're blinded. But for those who know Christ, it's an obedience that comes from the heart. From the heart, a changed heart, and uh, uh, and this is after we are put in Christ. Uh, before in Adam, what there was no obedience from the heart because we didn't have a heart. Uh, we were the natural man who did not understand the things of God. They're very clear. And the Bible speaks over and over again about obedience that comes, uh, or should have obedience that comes from the heart. Romans 10, 9, it says, That if thou wilt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
And again, it's from the heart. What is the heart? What makes up the heart? In the Greek, it's the word cardia. Uh, cardiac, we get that from in the, uh, uh, when you have a heart operation, you're having a, a cardia operation. But in the Greek, actually, it's, it's, it's not the physical heart. It's made up of your intellect, your mind, uh, your knowledge, and so forth. And then your emotions, and we're affected emotionally. When we hear the gospel, we weep, we, we repent of our sins, but then there is the will. The mind, we're stirred, we're moved, but there is the will then that is changed. No longer it's what I want to do in Adam, serve, serve wealth, serve myself, serve uh, the world, but now in Christ, it's the service to God, you see. So this is uh, the heart. So we serve, we obey from a changed heart. And uh, uh, the salvation of God changes uh, your ownership. You're no longer servants of sin. And uh, hallelujah. Why? 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in you. We're bought with a price. That's, that's the amazing thing. Is that God... Uh, is working in us to, uh, uh, to do that. It's, uh, it's, it's from the heart, bec- heart because we have... And he talks about the form of teaching here. That is the gospel. What I've been teaching you about sin and wrath and grace, this whole message, this form of, teach- of teaching, that is what we are obedient to do, to that which you were committed uh, uh, form here has the idea of a mold, like casting metals into a mold. Uh, and God pours us, if you will, into this mold, into this understanding of the gospel. And uh, Colossians 1.12, and giving thanks to the Father who has uh, qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. And you see, God is the one who has done that. He has taken us out of Adam and now he's placed us in Christ. He has uh, put us in a form, in a mold, if you will. He's like taken, melting. He, over here, he, he, he melted the, the, uh, the lead, uh, the old hard lead and, uh, that was shaped. And now he's, we're poured into a form and we're made we're made to be like Christ. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty neat stuff. And uh, there really is a change when we're poured into that mold. We become like Christ. We become slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness in verse 18. Having been freed from sin, that is, r- the rule and reign of sin in Adam... You become now, in Christ, slaves of righteousness. You see, sanctification is not some process that started way over here 20 or 30 years later while you're still living in sin. In other words, you trust Christ and then they say, well, 20 or 30 years down the road, I can, I can trust Him as my Lord and, and really live for Him. No. You see, sanctification begins at salvation. This is what Paul... He's not talking about... Three types of people here. He said, no, when you're saved, you become uh, uh, obeying from the heart. 
a righteousness that comes uh, from a changed life. You become slaves of righteousness, he says. This is neat. You know, by the way, Ephesians 6.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Amen. Now you might be what in the world are you talking? Why are you bringing this up? Why? Because how did Christ love the church? Unconditionally. And He gave Himself for it. You see. And we're to love our wives unconditionally in the same way as He loves the church. Unconditionally. Uh, we, don't, we don't love our wives uh, just because God has told us to do that. No, we love our wives because our hearts have been changed. And now, because we have the love of Christ, over here in Christ, we have that love because we understand He loved me when I was a sinner. He loved me when I was shaking my fist in His face. He loved me when I was His enemy. You know what? Now I can love my wife in the same way. Amen. Because now I understand the gospel. He loves me unconditionally, and I can love Him and love my wife unconditionally. Even though at times she'll disappoint me, even though at times she will fail me, and he loves us that way, does he not? Does he cast you off? And we're not to cast, we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, isn't that wonderful? That's, that's the gospel. That's the message. And so we have here not a bondage of fear, but love that motivates us. By the way, 2 Corinthians 5.14, I didn't put this up here. It came to me this morning uh, after we had already done the message. But, but uh, it says, the love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ that compels us. It's the love of Christ that motivates me to love my wife when she is not very loving. Husbands, are there times when your wife may not be very loving? I don't want any, I'm not looking, I'm not. <laughs> yes, there are. And of course, we, 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 fail, we fail her miserably too, don't misunderstand me. But the love of Christ. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. You, you understand what he's getting at? He's not saying uh, uh, because... You keep my commandments, you love me. You can keep commandments and still not love God. But what he's saying is, it's my love that you keep my commandments. I want you to keep them because you love me. Because you've been changed by the power of God. This is, this is uh, like I said, unbelievable stuff. And uh, So we have the, the contrast to these two positions. The contrast. He says, I'm in verse 9, I'm speaking in human terms, and he uses this, this illustration of slavery uh, because of the weakness of your flesh. And he says, Just as you used to present your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, he says, Now, again, that you're in Christ, present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. In verse 20, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You, you did not have the righteousness of Christ when you were in Adam, when you were slaves. 
you had your own self-righteousness, but not the righteousness of Christ. And then he says, uh, and, and I'm hurrying on here, therefore what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? Are you ashamed? Boy, this, I mean, this is a real, are, are we ashamed of those things the way that we used to be? Because he says the outcome of those things is death. But now, having verse 22, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Boy, he's, I mean, he's, he's nailing it here. He's, he's putting the, uh, hitting the nail right on the head with, with the hammer. He says, what benefit? What fruit came from that old way of life? What good came from that old way of life? None. Nothing. What benefit was that? Nothing. No, no, no good at all. Is what he's saying. Are you ashamed of your old life? Or do you still brag about it? Do you still brag about all the wicked and horrible things that you did in your past when you give your testimony? Is it a bragamony? Or are you ashamed of that life? And sometimes I'll find myself talking about my past life uh, like I used to treat my brother, which was a horrible, how I used to tease him and kid him and, and it affected his life. And, and am I ashamed of that? Yes, I am. Because it hurt him. And this is what Paul is saying. Are we ashamed of what we were? We ought to be. We ought to be. Uh, uh, or we find ourselves getting closer and closer uh, to Christ. The last verse here is really, really incredible. Verse 23, he says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. The wages of sin is uh, death. That is, people get what they deserve. Uh, death is the wages of sin, but notice here, uh, he does not say, and life is the wages of obedience. Again, so he doesn't say that. He says, the free gift of God is eternal life. Amen. Boy, do you get that? Only thing you're going to get from uh, the wages of sin is death. That's the person in Adam, I believe he's saying in, in verse 20. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual death, he's talking, not just physical, but as, if you're still in Adam, who is your representative, the wages of sin is death. But in Christ, the free gift of God is eternal life. And he says that in Christ. In Adam, you have death. In Christ, you have life. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You cannot in any way uh, buy it. It's just a free gift. Now let me, let me ask us all, uh, are we ashamed of sin? Does the uh, sin really bother us in our lives as we're growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ? Are we excusing sin? Do we play with sin? 
Do we yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness? Remember years ago, or several years back, the last time I think I mentioned it, remember uh, Christ is a mirror. Let's just make Christ the mirror here on the wall. The further you get from Christ, the better you look. But the closer you get to the mirror, the closer you get to Christ, the more what do you see about yourself? How sinful you really are. And so when you see your sin, as Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, he confesses his sin, which does what? It moves us closer to Christ. And so what happens when you get closer to Christ? You see more of the imperfections in your face and so you start putting makeup to try to cover it up. Right? You're making excuse, and so you. But but no, we. God wants us to be close to Christ, and we do that in confession before Him to confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we move closer to Him. How close are we willing to get to that mirror? Ask yourself that. How close do I want to get to that mirror? Am I willing to see just how bad I really am and what, what's really in my life that needs to come out of my life? That's, that's really an important thing to God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for your word and how convicting it is. But Lord, I do thank you for the grace of God Uh, that brings salvation. Father, I thank You that now we're no longer in Adam. The old person that we were in Adam, the old man that we were in Adam is gone. And I thank You by Your grace we're now in Christ. And by grace we have been saved through faith. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, uh, uh, to have victory in our lives, to yield more and more to your spirit who is working in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. But Lord, help us to confess. Help us, Lord, help us to want to get close to the mirror. Help us, Lord, to want to get close to Christ. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.